Welcome, Disciple Makers, and thank you for joining us. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board Discipleship Team, led by Scott Sullivan, exists to help churches take the next step toward becoming a healthy, disciple-making church. We've developed tools to help you, like the Watershed Principle, the Spark Conference. Access it today at thesparkconference.com. We're also setting up learning communities across Georgia. Find a community near you at gabaptist.org slash discipleship. Now let's join today's broadcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the broadcast today. Um, this one is going to be a fun one. Ah, that's how I started the last couple ones. All right, how else can we start this? This one's going to be um, the end in mind with the question to start with. All right, here we go. So what we're trying to do today is talk about how to make events intentional. Like we want to make uh, relational events that lead to a next step in discipleship. Like that's the title, but more than the title, like we just want to talk through what it looks like uh, from creating what that event would look like, evaluating it before and after, and and really just how it moves the needle in discipleship. Um, uh, and so we brought on a couple of experts for you today, uh, some Georgia Baptists that are super supportive. Um, the first one is a friend of mine. His name is J.J. Yon. Now, J.J. grew up in South Mississippi, where he developed a love for the outdoors through hunting and fishing. In fact, he was uh, the president of his local chapter uh, fishing buddies club. What was it called? <laughs> it was Tennessee Valley Fly Fishers. I was just on the board. I wasn't. So he was CEO of that and did a fantastic job. <laughs> and um, yeah, he married uh, Jesse. Now, Jesse is a Tennessee girl. So go balls. And um, she is fantastic. And they both have a huge heart for um, missions. Um, and Africa is a big part of their uh, connections as well. And so uh, we've known each other for a few years. JJ moved um, here to North Georgia at First Redeemer uh, Church and coming uh, just a couple of months back. Um, he enjoys uh, coffee to an unhealthy level is how his own church describes it. Um, and, uh, I learned a lot about disc golf, uh, this last weekend, he took his son to go disc golf. So that, I'm going to ask that question, JJ. So tell us one random thing people don't know about disc golf. <laughs> you do actually use more than one disc. Dun, 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 dun. And so that was pretty cool, man. Like, like it's come a long way since we, uh, uh, we're playing just frisbee, and it's like a full-on sport, and so it's fun people, to see. People actually like make real money, not me, but people actually make real money, like millions of dollars playing disc golf. That's another random thing. That's yeah, cool. not 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 crypto, right? But like real money. So that's that's that. Yeah, real real money. Yeah, yeah. That's how you know you've arrived. Um, <laughs> and then we have Addie Cohen, and Addie and I just met a couple of months ago. Um, and Addie was born and raised in Forsyth County, and you know she's from Georgia because she says what county she was raised in like nowhere else that i've lived do we introduce ourselves as the county that we live in um addy is that something you take pride in forsyth county i mean yeah that's just kind of the thing i know i'm just saying <laughs> other people don't do that uh just in well, case y'all didn't know weird. um it's it's a georgia thing it's definitely a georgia thing well whenever you have one giant town of atlanta you gotta you gotta differentiate where you gotta break it up from you know that's probably why but in Mississippi, you're just like, I'm just from Mississippi. Nobody cares about mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> There you go. So there you go. So there's a little uniqueness under that. And so um, <laughs> she's been at First Redeemer and coming for uh, three years. She's got her bachelor's from Furman University. And she's worked stateside and overseas. 
uh, with International Mission Organization, and she's returned home, and she is spending time uh, with her Filipino-American community being outside and crying over a good book. So, Addie, what's the last book you cried over? Oh, my gosh. I just finished Catherine Wolf's Hope Heals. Catherine and Jay Wolf wrote it together. And she's the one, she had, like, a massive brainstem stroke when she was, like, 23. And she talks about how, like, the Lord brought her through this crazy journey of, like, having a disability and healing. And it's, I, I cried a lot. It's a weep fest. Wow. So how does one read and cry? It's fine. We're, we don't have to get into that. So I, but I do it at the office. So I'm literally sitting here and people come in to, like, ask me a question. I'm just like, yeah. And we're all just like, are you okay? We used to assume she's having mental breakdowns daily. You know? <laughs> yeah. We all thought it was because she did. It was there. All right. So um, we, we want to, to dive right in. So why do this broadcast? First of all. Uh, type in what county you were born in. That's important for today's broadcast. You'll be entered into getting some free swag. Um, mine is Butler County, Ohio. So um, go go fighting butlers. And um, and so, guys, y'all do a lot of events uh, in student world, but really outside of that, when when you're at different churches and different contexts, we do a lot of events. And and we don't want to be an event driven church. A lot of people say that phrase, and then they just turn around and do events. And so events are attractional, but we don't do events just to attract. And so it becomes this thing where we're not really sure how to deal with it in the church because there's this working tension of we we need to, we don't want to. And so, you know, evaluation comes into this. But that's why we wanted to do a broadcast on this, because so many of our pastors that are watching now, 88% of the pastors that are watching here in Georgia are single staff 5.0 guys. And then we have some multi-staff um, churches like yours. And I've worked on both kinds of staffs. And so you know, when we talk about our events uh, communicating, we want to talk about what outcome do we desire? Like, like not just that we have a fun event. There's so many things that we can do in ministry that are just fun events. The, the, the sky is limitless and we can get more creative and more creative. And, and it can just be this flash grenade that happens. It was really fun. Everybody talks about the event, but the event doesn't do something. And, and I come from a context of serving uh, 14 years of local church and doing a lot of singles. Uh, types of things. And in singles world, we can do really fun events and get people there. And then you quickly realize that they're just showing up for the event and they're not showing up for Jesus. They're not showing up for discipleship. They're not showing up for that relationship. And so the desire is to create something that has a hook, but with more meat on it um, and, and something that goes worse. So do we aim at the largest event possible? Some of us watching now, uh, you know, for being fully transparent, sometimes we just aim to have the largest thing. Maybe we strive to get community-wide recognition. Sometimes we do those events um, and JJ and I served at a church and and that was the goal of one event that we were looking at. And we ended up not doing it because we thought, man, we don't, should we really do that for community wide recognition? I don't, I don't know if we're doing this for the right reason. And, and then maybe we measure success by new members and baptisms. So we do that uh, trunk or treat, or we do that uh, Easter egg hunt. And we say, all right, now how many people join next Sunday? How many people got baptized next? You know, and we, we put these metrics yeah. out there that maybe aren't the right metric for what it is. So pastors that are watching, um, uh, maybe second chair leaders that are watching, we really want to figure this out together in this brief time that we have. Like we really want to make these events something more. So JJ, let's start into it. So um, JJ, tell us about, you know, how do we promote and communicate events? One thing that you're really great at is community or uh, communication and community, but also being able to be clear in that, um, what that event is, why it's there. So, so what are some ways we begin with the wrong end in mind, planning those events and how that affects our communication. 
I mean, honestly, all of it starts, and this is not, this is, but isn't answering your question, I guess. Uh, all of it begins on how we even view events. You were talking about this sort of briefly, like how we view events in general. And for me, uh, one of the shifts a few years ago uh, that helped me put events in a proper perspective in the strategy of what I'm doing is even, I'm not a car guy. Okay. Like that's not what I do, but this is for whatever reason, this is what clicked in my brain. Okay. So what makes the engine of your church go? What's the strategy? What is propelling your church forward? And then how do you make that go faster? And so like, I, I'm a very relational guy and I think all of us are created to be in relationship and for whatever level, no matter how extroverted or introverted you are. Uh, and so for me, relationship, pushing people into a relationship, uh, community and all those kinds of things is often the engine that makes the thing go. And then events I view as like strapping a turbo to that thing. And now you can get more speed out of it. You can get more distance out of the strategy that you're running. The event isn't the strategy. The event pushes the strategy forward. And so I think that's one of the biggest mistakes, even before you even get to the communicating side, uh, is you, I, I, you know, are you focusing on the right, do you even have a strategy to begin with? Yeah. Or are you just willy nilly doing some things? Uh, that you think might be awesome. Maybe another church in the area or some buddy of yours did a thing and you're like, oh, that's awesome, right? But does it really fit in the strategy of what you got going on? You know? And that's, that, yeah, again, okay. So before you even get to the destination of what the event's about, it's what are we putting that on? And that really is where it comes back to mission, vision, alignment. Like, where does this really fit in? Because we can get suckered into a lot of good events. There are a lot of good yeah. events to do. There are a lot of great events to do, yeah. And, uh, you know, Obviously, you know, got to say this whole deal being evangelical, like our whole, you know, like the drive is salvations, baptisms, those kinds of things. Like those are, those are good. Like those got to be there. That got to be, they've got to be, you know, measurables in that whole deal. But I think there's a whole lot more to it. Like, so after we've got somebody down the aisle, we just leave them there. You know, what do we do from there? All right. So our events, are your events just for evangelism there are there are good evangelistic events uh, or is the event really more of a discipleship thing and what even is discipleship in your context uh, in that way are you pushing them into uh, Sunday school communities or are you pushing them into like specific men's and women's ministries or is it you know what what is it is the next thing beyond the event that you're trying to push them into because it, so like one of the things you know, the question, I guess, is like, besides the transfer of knowledge, because a lot of times events are based around some sort of like topic or, you know, whatever it is, you bring in an expert of a thing or you share, you know, teach the Bible, whatever it is. Beyond the transfer of knowledge, what's one thing you want people to walk away do, like knowing that this is the next thing we're supposed to do? Yeah. Yeah. And I like, okay, so I'm going to give a, a very specific event that we did in our singles with a nuance to it. So we did a thing called Bob Ross Brunch. And so uh, it, we had a person that did painting classes and we got Bob Ross on video. What's not the love? I buy an Afro wig. It's a great day. All right. Like that event in itself is just a win. It's still a win. That was a couple of years ago, pre-COVID and everything. So we, we do that event coming off of another gathering where we were talking about being complete in Christ and trying to get you to your next step. So the hook was, man, that sounds like a really fun thing. I've never done that before, which is how singles tend to process if they're going to go to something. Have I done that before or not? Because adventure something new, that's a big driver. So we get people sure. to the event, but we put people that lead Bible studies strategically every so many boards in the room. So we know that when you leave, because you're going to stand next to somebody, you're going to tease, you're going to make fun of this. This person's not even painting what you're painting. Like so many fun things happen when you're when you're doing art, but you can talk. It's conversational. Like the end goal yeah. was that we netted 
um, like several new people into small groups the next week. And it wasn't about you have to come to a small group and here's a lunch and learn of why. Because that hook doesn't get somebody in the room, but it won't sustain them if we don't connect them to something more. Right, Addie? And so um, yeah. I'm going to like tell us about that messaging um, a little bit. And how does that how have you seen that done in the church? Well, I think it. Yeah, I think it's interesting because it depends on who you're trying to bring in and what you're trying to do there. And like when you're talking about like, yeah, like a community outreach event, like Easter eggs, you're probably talking to a lot of people who don't go to church. And so you're trying to pitch something that's like familiar. You're trying to pitch a baseline thing. It's like, hey, Easter, Easter eggs, we've got that, you know, And, and it depends on who you're looking for. In our context, we're doing these events for students and a lot of our kids they're here a lot. A lot of the kids who are going to come to these events are here every Sunday and every Wednesday, and they are raised in the church. It's like, how do you bring them in? That's a completely different thing. You know, I think for us in our context a lot, it's like, come in and have this time where you can be like refreshed, have this time where we can put that little like turbo thing, (laughs) your engine. And I, with our students a lot, I kind of think of it in terms of like, um, like festivals, okay, like Jewish festivals. And like the Lord set up events and he told us to do them every year. That was like a totally like- Remember, right? To make it a celebration, something that you forget, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was these times of like, okay, you're gonna have a specific time where you're gonna think about the Lord. You're gonna remember, you're gonna celebrate. And for our like students who are in the church all the time, that's like more of the messaging that I like to bring up. It's just like, hey, here we are. It's camp time again. And like, we're going to come and we're going to get together and we're going to do this. And so I think it really depends on, yeah, who are the people? I really like to think about singles, like wanting something that's like new and exciting that they've never done before. And just really knowing, I think that's part of like knowing what your um, strategy is, is like knowing mm-hmm. who you're trying to get. Yeah, and I, let's dig let's dig into that who and and the uniqueness, right? Because student ministry is known for all of the funny like I've never seen that before. Things it's like let's get big sumo balls and hit each other, and you're like, yeah, but what if we put shaving cream all over them? Yeah, and it's like right, I mean, we like got, a, we got like, a mechanical bull in the fall. <laughs> I'm just saying, there's always one more thing. In student. I can't accept it. I can't accept Christ that night, so I'm just saying. See, that's how he measured. It really it. did. That's how. He, that's how. So no, so different people. <laughs> You, you brought up a really good point of who the target of the event is, mm-hmm. because if the target is somebody that doesn't speak Christians, is somebody that is in the community and far from God, what is it that speaks yeah. to their moment? Maybe it's a crisis or maybe it's something fun they would do somewhere and can't believe the church is doing it. Now, we don't have to bend our morals to to do that. We don't have to bend <laughs> God's word to this. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not what we're saying, right, Addie? But like, so like, give me an example of how you would make something different right there you mentioned like our people and then like a easter egg hunt like something they're familiar with what is the different nuance there well the difference is like someone from uh, someone who has never met you before who is living in your community and maybe even like has like a bad taste in their mouth about christianity as a whole they're not going to be super into this like come and be relational we're going to connect and we're going to talk if they're going to think that you're kind of Colty. Scary. <laughs> they don't know. Yeah. They, don't know. they don't know. They don't know. We invited a friend on a Sunday morning once and we didn't think anything about it. And she got done. And we're like, man, what'd you, what'd you think? Right? Like it was our church and we're excited. And, and so we're eating a lunch. She's like, well, there'd have been a bouncy ball on the words. It'd have been like Christian karaoke. And we were just singing along <laughs> the words. And I'm like, 
Worship does feel like that a little bit because I mean, in my world, it's not, it's just like a hymn, but up there, that's kind of how we see it, right? These are words we're praising the Lord. We're, but, but to someone who doesn't see it that way, it's just like, where's the little ball so I can Mm -hmm. follow along with it. Right. So it is different. Yeah. And it's so ingrained in us. No, yeah. I was thinking it's like so ingrained in us that we don't, we're so used to things being Christianese all the time. That that is like a really, really, really hard thing. It's like trying to sing off key on purpose. It's <laughs> like it takes a lot of like focus. That's not a struggle. What am I saying? <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, what some of this is just it? marketing. Some of this is just marketing one one type stuff. Yeah. I mean, any, yeah. anybody who does marketing in any way is going to tell you you got to know. Okay, what's your product like? What do you offer? Mm-hmm. And who's the target audience, right? And then before you get to communicating, you need to know those things. If it is genuinely, I'm trying to reach unchurched people, then stop using church language. If it is fully for church people, which is fine, then do whatever churches you want. But even in that, though, each church has different language. And so if you're trying to reach maybe Christians who are new to the area but aren't engaged in a church yet, they may not know that you're, you know, like Missions Global uh, Center, what that even means. Most people, yeah. it's just the gym, right? And whatever it is, right? Uh, and so, like, even your own internal language, unless it is a truly, genuinely only internal event, probably needs to be scratched from the communication of whatever it is and try to think outside of your own little bubble on the words that you use and how you communicate what it is that you're trying to do, you know? And that leads us into this next thing, which is about cultural differences and not just ethnicity wise, but there's just culture differences. And for the the sake of of just talking this through a little bit. So some of you have seen, like I put a lot of places that I've lived on the wall behind me. So from Ohio, lived in Tennessee, was in South Carolina for a while, lived in Texas for a longer time, and now I'm in Georgia. So there's a lot of different things up here. And it's amazing how different something is in different areas. Like I would not wish to remove any of the times that I've moved so far. But one thing it does do is it gives you complete perspective on how different something is in Ohio or in South Carolina where I'm going to wear seersucker to something. And some of you don't even know what that is. We're in Georgia. So I'm going to assume <laughs> that people know what seersucker is, but like in South Carolina, they love it. Like you're going to have an outfit. It's not, it's, it's not optional. And, and then when you go to Texas, you're like, I'm probably going to buy a pair of boots. Well, why do I wear a pair of boots out there? Well, cause they're Texans, right? That's where the horns come from. Well that, and sometimes I have bad thoughts. And so there's, there's that of why that's there. And so the same event, the same exact thing in multiple places have differences. And I guess I just kind of want to know why. So Addie, why do you think, why do you think the same event doesn't translate into different contexts? Oh, I think it's because God is creative for one thing. I love it. I really do. I think that like he, he made all these different like pockets of culture and like so many different ways that a person can love the Lord and follow him and do all these different things. So whatever that looks like, all these different contexts, they're, they're going to be different and they should be different. And there's like creativity in that and there's fun in that. But again, it's it's like it's knowing your demographic. It's knowing um, who are the people that you're trying to reach or if you're trying to like break into a different culture. Like if you're in this place and you're trying to like make your church body more diverse, like where do you even start? How do you do that? And it's like if you're messaging is all the same, then it's probably not going to change anything. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah. Gosh, and that's something we can help with at the mission board. This is like a total shameless plug. And so one thing that we do at the mission board is that we love to help you see the community. And so we can do like a mosaic study. We can do a demographic study and we can help you do that. In fact, I was at First Baptist Dallas uh, the other day talking with their staff 
And he pulled out this uh, mosaic study and said, this is who's moving into our area. They're not here yet, but they're going to be here. And this is who we are. And so part of that figuring out their discipleship culture is the buildings. How is it structured? What's it going to look like going forward? But it's also more than that. It's who are you? What's the DNA of this church? And then who's the people moving in? And so this church has never done anything like have a coffee shop inside of it that operates 24 seven. And I'm like, well, it's not just about running a business, right? Cause that's going to be stuffy and everybody's going to know it. it's got to be more about being for the community. And so maybe it doesn't need a coffee shop. Maybe it needs a, a juice bar. Maybe it needs a, like, don't, don't do the bottom shelf idea, like dig into what they need because, because your community, that 2030 demographic, man, they really want something that's authentic and genuine and they know when it's not. And, and so that's what we were talking about, but he had the study out when I came to visit with them and I just thought, man, that's, that's where it's at. Now we have to communicate that to the entire church. Like we want all the church to see what you just said is because God created us uniquely and he loves creativity. He really does. And you, you speak to my heart, um, because of, uh, Harper. So Harper is a super creative kid. And so we do the theater thing. I get a drawing every other day, right? <laughs> like, like I can grab them. Uh, they're everywhere. And, and so having her and a couple of people in our lives that just mean a lot to us that do call them come into that creative, uh, mindset, it just really does remind me how much I don't know the idea. That's what yeah. creatives teach me is this like, when you come in with an idea and say, this is it, you're not giving a place for God to show up. And so maybe that's where we fail on our events is that we say, here's our idea instead of actually seeking out what the idea should be. Like we don't have a destination at the beginning. Now the outcome we want, JJ, we'll talk about that in a second. Like we want the outcome to be relational and discipleship, but man, Addie, that's just such a, such a great point. Um, yeah. so, so how do you see the differences since you were overseas for a little bit? Mm -hmm. And let's just talk about country differences for, a, a mm -hmm. brief, how's it different around the world? Um, it's what's really interesting is it's like, um, something that's cool and that like social anthropologists will talk about and stuff is it's not even necessarily like if places are geographically close together they're similar there's like all these other things that make them like related so like we just got back we just took a bunch of students to Guatemala and we got back and something that was really cool in Guatemala is like we would go and we were literally just like go knock on people's doors and we just be like hey can we come in can we hang out do you want to mm -hmm. you want to be prayed for and they're like absolutely and so we'd go in and we'd sit and I was in this one house and this mom is talking to us and she's like, you have to pray for my son. He's like angry at the Lord. He's far from God. All these things. And we're like, wow. And we're about to pray for him. She was, oh, wait, I hear him. And he walks in this door. So this man just comes home after work, long day. And there's like six people in his house who now know his entire life story. And we're like, so we heard that you're angry at the Lord. <laughs> and this guy just starts crying and he sits down. And he's like, yeah, let me tell you my story. Wow. And he just starts telling us like his life story and why he's angry at the Lord. And we just had this like really beautiful and raw conversation of like, that's so real. Right. So that's Guatemala. <laughs> yeah. You try and, that. You try that here in the States and you in Georgia, you probably get shot. You, oh, no, that's gonna say, would, you, you may not get that the police call. Never work here in the States. It also would never work like a, another like Latin culture that I did ministry in was per Peru. I was in Peru for two months. But like up in like the mountains up near like Cusco, Peru, people are like not that open. People don't get open. They don't get vulnerable. It's like a very and that's like a thing with like mountain culture is they tend to be a little bit colder, like for lack of a better word. They tend to be a little bit more standoffish. They tend to like, you know, you really have to like work and build relationship if they're ever going to like 
open up to you like that. So even those kinds of things, like there might be things on the surface, we're like, oh, this is similar. And then you're like, no, this is a whole different ball game. Yeah. Well, JJ, tell us, tell us about like Africa and you and and Jesse. I know your heart there. I've heard a lot, but just briefly tell us like your experience there on this issue. Uh, Yeah. So depending on where you want me to go with this, I can talk about uh, like in some potential, some negative ways, you know, you see a lot of American missionary influence in parts of Africa that they tried to replicate American church culture in Africa and in my opinion, takes a lot of the fun out of the African culture. Like a lot of African culture is like dance and celebrate and like beautiful colors everywhere. And you, and you preach three sermons throughout the time of four different worship sets, you know, and that kind of thing. Uh, but then sometimes American missionaries are like, no, you do three songs, you preach for 30 minutes, yeah. you do one song and then you're out. Right. Like, you know, and that kind of thing. And so, uh, that's when, when we're not aware of the culture. Um, that's some of the negative impacts that we can have and why that's important in every setting and like knowing the culture, uh, in that kind of stuff for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I and, think, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, like, if we bring it back to that, like, I remember in my, in my missions training, one of the phrases that they repeated over and over and over again was like, we are not here to create American Christians. That was like a big thing. Like, remember, like you're here to spread the gospel. You're here, like you're not here to create like copy, <laughs> copy paste American Christians. But the cool thing about that, and like, because we're talking about being relational. Again, the point of this isn't like, oh, let's figure out how to hook different cultures so we can bring it in and we can get our numbers up and do all these things. The point is like, how can you figure out what culturally matters to that person? Whether there's just someone who is like, from your town but from a totally different subculture or it's someone from a completely different country like how can we figure out what matters to that person so that you can meet them in that relational way you know you you can make um the gospel like you can actually find like the need that they have for the gospel you know what i mean like what is the thing that they are looking for what is the thing that they are weary about what is the thing and like that builds that relational side. So yeah. it's not just about like, oh, how do we make our churches more diverse? It's like, how do we meet people where they are yeah. and really like bring this to them in a way that will actually speak to their heart and the way that they were raised and their culture? Yeah, that goes to belonging. Like every human wants to belong somewhere, but everybody belongs differently. And so some people, because you had a conversation with me and I, I now feel welcome, I feel seen and I belong. Another person, because you talked to me, I kind of, feel like this is a dumb place and I don't want to be here, but you had great food. So I love that. Right. Like, and so like they're, they're different. Those are silly examples, but like the, everybody relates differently. Um, and so, you know, at, at an event, you gotta, you gotta see that there needs to be different types of relation touch points from like group conversations for those who want to engage in group, group conversations, but having key leaders, like you mentioned earlier, who engage differently. So you got a really introverted person who doesn't want to like group conversate, but you have a group leader that sees that and they can have that one-on-one conversation to make sure that that person feels seen and known in that way. But that, that goes to pre-planning and making sure that you have leaders trained to do that and to see that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And that's where, uh, that's where we want to kind of end our, our, our time here together is, um, yeah, pre-planning is, is a big deal. And, uh, JJ and I, uh, were able to go to a men's event recently and um, it was over at Ivy Creek Baptist Church. Uh, Craig Dale's the pastor. Dave Wiley is the, um, the pastor on staff there that kind of oversees one of the things is men's ministry. And uh, that pre-planning part of what 
I mean, that's what made that night a success. Success was not defined by how many guys showed up in the room. So they started a year before with a leader who had a passion for men. And then he started a team and that team started at this. And then they had in the right season, they had the right event to get them in the door. So we hooked them with barbecue, right? That's going to get them in the door. So they get in the door. We're going to have barbecue. Barbecue is great. And then we get up and we talk about relationships and we talk about what authenticity is. And we have discussion at round tables. We get guys sharing that are like, man, I didn't think I'd come here to actually talk. I'm normally just here to, to listen and eat and then leave. That's what I do. But now I'm talking. And, um, after that event was done and it wasn't a short event, I think it ended up being almost two hours long. Um, and you would yeah. think, man, I, that's not how we wanted that to go, but that's just kind of how the spirit led the room. And so we had over almost 80% of the guys in the room sign up for a group that they weren't in coming out of that event. That's the win. Like the win isn't the number of guys. I don't want y'all to get hooked up in that. The win is that of the people that came in the room, they are now in some kind of small group and they're going to say, Hey, I want to surrender and be more like Jesus. And I want to be in a small group. That's the win. The barbecue will fade. The event will be forgotten. And, and, and but that small group is going to change that person's life. And so when you make that um, initial, why are we doing this? Maybe you do slow down and do it next year. Maybe you don't have to do it next month. Like you think you do. And so um, like JJ, what kind of like checklists, like, you know, to make sure that we're, our event is focused on making disciples. What are a few key things you would say we need to, ask some hard questions before we do the event. Yeah. I mean, all, all of it begins with, okay, the end in mind, like what's the goal, uh, you know, like, a, you know, what is the end result of, you know, salvation baptisms are on every list. Uh, and then, so beyond that, do you want them in groups? Do you want them showing up on Sunday morning? Do you, whatever, what is the next, uh, thing? And then you start to build tasks, you know, beyond that, if we talk about like task lists and checklists and that kind of thing, I think a lot of it starts with, um, like I was, I was bivocational doing ministry in Mississippi and all of my ministry, uh, you know, would rise or fall on volunteer leaders. I, I mean, I, even in my context now, uh, where I'm full-time and have some full-time staff with me, that's still true, but even more so. And so those of you who are in that setting, like I, I feel that and know that all too well. Uh, and so all of it rises and falls on, um, volunteers. And so there, I would start with what are they passionate about? So I have a Creek and they had, they had been wanting to re-engage their men's ministry. I talked to, you know, to them about that, the, the pastors there, they've been wanting to do it, but trying to find the bandwidth for themselves was hard and that kind of thing. And then this other guy comes along, who's really passionate about it, had time to run with it and just drove the thing it was just a volunteer lay leader. And so then it became, it was a much better event than if some pastors, cause we all, all of us pastors have been doing this for a while we can throw an event together. We can grab the low hanging fruit. We can order barbecue. Like we can do that tomorrow, you know, those kinds of things. But when you're thinking beyond the event, it takes a lot more time. Like you're saying PJ to sit down and like, think about, I think about it like building blocks in a foundation, like at one block at a time versus like pouring concrete where you're just trying to dump the whole thing out at once. Like it's one block at a time that leads to that. And so having time, um, and so, I mean, I don't know if you're really wanting, like, I mean, every event, no, that, and like that's really, in that. yeah, no, that's really good. And you know, the pastor shared this JJ, uh, Craig, he missed a championship game for his son. Now he didn't say that in the large group because he didn't want it to be about that. But when we were done afterwards, he showed me a picture of his son at a championship game. And he's like, I missed that, but I wanted to be here. Like I chose to be here. And part of that pre-event checklist is, is this a priority? Is this something that mm -hmm. we're going to set aside and do that? Is that championship important? It absolutely is. But 
there's going to be another one or there's another moment. It's not just that moment. He's like, this moment is really, really important. And it was like having his support and him in the room afterwards to say, I, I believe in these guys. I mean, they fumbled even like, and I, they're going to watch this. All right. Cause this is going out on the interwebs. Right. And so like, <laughs> we didn't have enough sheets at the tables. We didn't have enough pens to hand out. Like you would think of all those little mechanical things. You're like, that's fun. But we were just so excited that so many people showed up. We didn't have those. And people were going, hey, make sure I get that list. Like guys were standing over guys to sign up to go to a small group. That doesn't happen every day. But when that pre-checklist is that this is important, we're going to do this and we're going to make it happen. It's great. Maybe we'll add extra pins on there uh, next time in like sign-up sheet. That's fine. Um, but okay. you, 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 hold on. Before you, before you move on, like one of the things like this, uh, this was hard for me a few years ago. I um, was in a setting where like we we're doing lots and lots of events. And so on that evaluating side, which I think is where you're going next, I guess. So I could have waited, but I'm going to jump in. Fine, go. uh, on the evaluating side of like evaluating, like, okay, did this have the end result that we wanted? Um, I had... I basically, I killed uh, an event that was our highest attended event in a year in my last contest. That's, that's not like a, oh, Pat JJ on the back thing, but this was because I took time to evaluate events mm. beyond the event itself. What's the long-term uh, benefit to the people who attended the event, the ministry that I'm in charge of and, and the church as a whole, mm-hmm. just because a lot of people showed up doesn't make it a great event. And so I actually, so a lot of people were really confused <laughs> at first when I, when I stopped doing the highest attended event we would have in a year to take the time and the resources that took for that event to run, uh, to run, to pour all that into another event that I saw was producing so much more fruit, long-term fruit for ministry and for people uh, in that. And so that's what it really comes down to. Do you have to have this event? No. Is the event helpful? Yes or no. That's where, you know, you know what I mean? Like beyond the event itself, just beyond having an event, you know? Yeah. Well, and yeah, so we're going to wrap up here. I had a couple more questions I was going to dive into, but we're, we're going to, we're going to land the plane at that post event. So I let me ask you, you've, you've done a few in your day. Um, and you've been at that, that staff meeting where we're doing post event. What makes a good post event checklist to know if we actually made disciples or that we actually built relationships? Um, I, I think, well, one, I think you kind of have to like, wait a minute. Like there's some things that you see right away and there's some things that you will not see <laughs> right away. You have, have to see like how that falls out. And um, like, because the first, like for us, like students, like the first Sunday after an event, yeah, there might be like a ton of people there. And we're like, wow, we succeeded. And then they're all gone. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, did we? Um, so I think that's a big one. Like take the time. I also just think you like, JJ was saying like just being like really kind of brutally honest mm. and like being willing to look at things and like to use the editing term like kill your darlings right like being willing to actually look and be really honest about like do we think these things went well do we not and not being afraid to be like oh this might hurt someone's feelings if we're like actually we didn't see this you know yeah I think those are important things um I think another thing that I think is really important about event like follow-up thing um but i was thinking about what, what we had a um girls retreat in the fall for the students and something that i saw happen then that i don't actually normally see is just the way that it wrapped in people who didn't go to the event mm-hmm. it's like that's a really big thing you have these big events and then like people who don't come it can feel kind of like weird afterwards to be like oh like if you're at a small church or if you're in a small student ministry anything like that and you're like all these other people 
did this thing. And I think that's a really important like follow-up step is like, what is this going to look like too? Because like, if, if the Lord is moving, it should affect the whole, <laughs> the whole body, honestly. So it's like, how is this going to trickle into those things? That was a really cool thing that we saw like after that one specific event was just like how, um, how those girls carried that onward to other people who weren't even there it was like a really cool yeah so a good event yeah, is event. about who attends right so go ahead yeah 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 it was pushing it pushed culture in a good yeah. way the culture of uh the girls ministry and and the, even the student ministry that of that particular event one of the side what we like one of the things going into that we want we wanted deeper relationships with one of the girls to know and trust and love one another more and what they took from that was we need to do that even with the girls who weren't here with you know, everybody else yeah. that was, yep that was huge and so it was a big culture shift moment mm-hmm. not just we did a cool weekend it was fun you know yeah but actually involving people on the front and the back side of that and it's a, and not shaming people who don't show up right we weren't right there sure. yeah <laughs> we don't want to do that right so yeah um and, and let me, um, I'll, I'll say this on the post event. Um, we are so happy to measure success on if uh, nobody bled out, uh, that people showed up True. and um, we just have to go deeper. Like our Lord is, is awesome. And what we want to do is be excellent for him. Like we're not doing this to be the biggest church in town. We're not doing this to get the most people into what we're doing this for is the Lord. And so when we do a post event, We have to set our feelings aside. We have to say, you know what? This isn't about PJ's ego right now. This isn't about you evaluating me as the person. Let's evaluate the end goal because God, God has called us to something that is, that is important. And it is salvation. It is seeing people come to faith in Christ and it is baptism, but it's also going and making disciples. Like the end goal isn't just that they arrived, it's that they're sent out. And so we have to think about events, uh, and separate ourselves from that. Cause we can get really wrapped up in that. We can put our identity in those things. And um, let me, let me tell you one that just happened uh, recently. That's a huge win. Um, Christina and Harper went to a friendship um, a church in Cedartown. And so friendship church in Cedartown, they are just refiring some engines, getting going. They got a new pastor, went out there, met them. Uh, we had some lunch together and now we're best friends, right? They're one of their, their church family. And so while we're there, um, they told us, Hey, we're having an Easter egg hunt in a couple Saturdays. If you're interested, well, it worked, um, uh, for that Saturday for us to go. And so I wasn't in town, Christina and Harper went and they had a fantastic time. Like Harper had the best day going to look for Easter eggs and, and, and talking to people and all those kind of things. Um, and, and when I asked the pastor, how did it go? He said, man, sometimes the event is just knocking off the dust for the next one. And so I wanted to bring that up in this, in this broadcast, because it's not always a home run. Sometimes it's that you did it. And his thing was like, we hadn't done an Easter egg hunt thing in like 20 years. Like I couldn't find the last time we did it. And we're trying to be here for the community. We want people to come here not just get pictures in front of our pretty church, but we want them to meet Jesus. And so we're going to do this Easter egg hunt thing. And, and he's like, we were a little rusty. We were a little rusty. I was like, you were not like, they had a great time. Don't overthink <laughs> it. You know, they were, they were happy that Christine Harper went, but I was like, but you invited us. Like, we didn't have to go there. Like we chose to go there because you invited us. You made an event on a time that we could make all those kind of things. So what you aim for is what you hit in events. And so we would love for you to share, you know, in the comments and tell us a little bit about your thoughts on that. I'm sure people have been commenting as we go, man, thank you all so much for for being on the broadcast today, Addie and JJ, um, because yeah. um, 
wanted to have you both on here when I thought about being relational. You're both super engaging and relational, have different perspectives. You serve together on a team together. Um, and, and it just shows when you're aligned in that, like what you can do. And it's not about how big the event is, but how we're actually measuring those outcomes. So that's why I thought of y'all to have you on. Thank you for being a church that gives us a cooperative program that's supportive of that. That's how we get to do this broadcast. That's how we get to go around and help churches move the needle in discipleship on our on our team uh, here with Scott Sullivan. And so thank you all for being a part of that today. Hey, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, uh, I'll just say, JJ, how, how do they get in touch with y'all? Uh, well, uh, I'm on the social medias some. Uh, as being a student pastor, you would think that I should be into that more, but uh, another day's time is about my frustrations with that whole culture of things. Uh, but yeah, just JJ Yon on social media, jj.yon at firstredeemer.org is my email address. Uh, feel free to reach out. Yeah. Addy, what's your, what's your, do you know your email address or the church website? Yeah. My email address is addy.co at firstredeemer.org. Also, if you want like both of us on the same social media, you could just do at redeemer.student. Um, we both are on that one. So there you go. There you go. Well, thank you all for joining us and 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 thank you for serving our churches in North Georgia and just doing a fantastic job at that. Thank you to Lana. Um, Lana, we're going to have her on one day. That's what I told her just before we did this one. Like we're going to interview I the viewer yeah. and just really, we want to know the person behind the mask. And so we're going to have Lana on this broadcast. I'm naming it and claiming it. 2023. There we go. Uh, thank you for everything that you do. <laughs> so as you go, go thanks and make disciples. And we thanks want to for continue being a part of the conversation from today's broadcast in a learning community near you. These learning communities are designed to celebrate your biggest wins, resource your greatest need, and help you finish well. We also want to give you a free gift, the five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple makers. You can download this resource by going to ministryboom.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptists to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org discipleship. Engage with us on your time through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all podcast platforms. Lastly, if you've benefited from this conversation today, please share this with a friend as we seek to help churches make world-impacting disciple makers.